Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Parenthood Podcast. Brought to you by The Bump Class. I'm Marina Fogel and I'm here today with Dr. Kiara Hunt to talk about when your baby's sick with minor illnesses that I think all of us parents know are very, very common in children. Obviously, for everyone listening, this podcast is not a medical consultation. So please, if you are worried, you do need to take your child to see a doctor. Um, but we are going to talk today about minor illnesses, aren't we, Kiara? What, what sort of things do you see mostly in your surgery? We see a bit of everything, but the common childhood illnesses that you're seeing on a regular basis are colds and coughs and rashes that go with viral illnesses and sick bugs, like diarrhea, vomiting, that sort of thing, occasionally ear infections, tonsillitis, things that children do get. I think, you know, the idea of your baby being sick is something kind of that new mothers all fear because I think having a healthy baby kind of feels hard enough most of the time. You feel that you're just getting enough sleep and coping with every day and you sort of add a cold or a cough or a sort of some kind of just them feeling cranky into that. And you think, oh my God, how am I going to cope? Um, yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, babies, especially in the first six months or so, when you're just getting used to new parenthood, you, the last thing you want is them getting ill. But, you know, children all the way through, it, it can be really difficult when you're suddenly having to deal with the child at home and when they're supposed to be at school and what do you do about childcare and things. So it is hard. Yeah. But it's important, isn't it? You know, if getting ill is a big part of them growing up and developing their you know, antibodies, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, children, it's normal for children to be getting ill. I mean, we definitely see some children getting more ill than others, but that's all still part of the normal range. And when they're getting ill, they're making new antibodies so that their bodies will be able to fight off that same infection next time their body sees it. So, so basically, could you look at it that every sort of cough or cold or minor illness is like an investment in their immune system. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be hard to think of it like that when you're the mother of the sick child. But yes, it's it's not a bad thing, children having the normal childhood coughs and colds. Yeah, inevitability. Okay, so we'll start with kind of, are there any ways that you can prevent your baby from getting sick? I think with... With newborn babies, especially your first one, you're you know you're very aware of anyone who's sick coming into the you know the room and touching your baby or coughing and sneezing over your baby. So I think avoid snotty toddlers <laughs> who are going to bring bugs into your house. You know, try and get people to wash their hands or at least use a bit of alcohol gel before they touch your newborn baby. Second babies you usually don't have that luxury because your own snotty toddler is going to come home and usually you know, give them some sort of uh, virus. So second babies do get sick a bit more often than first babies, but that's just par for the course, I'm afraid. Yeah, because on the bump class, we always say to people, you know, do, don't feel too worried about being precious about your newborn baby and sort of saying to people, if you've been ill, please don't come, you know, wait till your cold's over. Yeah. Certainly if anyone's had any diarrhea and vomiting, I mean, the last thing you want is sort of someone merrily kind of, you know, handling your baby and then announcing that they had vomiting and diarrhea yesterday. Yeah. Sort of thing. Oh. Well, I think especially with newborn babies or babies in the first few months, them getting ill, even with something quite minor can be a lot more serious than if they're a bit more robust and a bit older so I don't think you're being I don't think as a new mother you're being precious asking asking visitors to you know, especially if they've come on the public transport or you know it's so easy to, to transmit bugs around the place um, so asking them to wash their hands is not 
Yeah, it's probably worth thinking about where do most people pick up nasty bugs? It's public transport is a big one, isn't it? Small children. <laughs> yeah, and school, I suppose. And school, nurseries. I mean, it's other people who are sick um, sort of leaving the, the, the bugs or viruses on door handles or their hands. Um, Mobile so, phones, I always think they must be a bit of a yeah. breeding ground because we never yeah. wash our phones, do yeah. we? Yet we handle them the whole All time. The time. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, so, yeah, washing hands is really important. Um, you know, watching who's handling your baby. If you've got a newborn baby, if you can breastfeed, that's known to be protective. Um, so if, you, if, you, if you're not having trouble and you're able to do that, then that's great. Being up to date with your vaccinations when you're pregnant is really important. Making sure you have the flu vaccination while you're still pregnant will help protect your baby. And um, the whooping cough. Women are whooping cough, yeah, now absolutely. offered regularly. So yeah. that's all of those vaccinations are really good because they get a degree of protection from the mother, don't they? That's right. Babies. They'll get a bit of immunity to those specific infections uh, from the mother, which is very important. Eating healthily. I mean, we're constantly told that uh, what we eat and eating kind of a rich variety of uh, foods is very important. How important is that in terms of sort of preventing illness? I think that's really important, especially when you're talking about the sort of toddlers and slightly older children. You know, if they're going through a fussy stage where they're only going to eat, they're only eating breadsticks for, you know, weeks on end, you know, that's not very good for their immune system. They're more likely to get run down and, and get these viruses. So encouraging them to have a healthy diet from the start is really important. And if they're really struggling with that, multivitamins, is that going to help? Um, it probably does help if they're not having, if they're really not getting the nutrients they need from food. Um, I always tell my patients that if your if your baby and child are, are eating well, they shouldn't need any extra vitamins other than vitamin D and sometimes iron for children. But the sort of multivitamins is really only if if they really are bad eaters. Yeah. So uh, we've established that your baby is going to get ill at some stage. It's not necessarily such a bad thing. Um, so when your baby does become ill or your child becomes ill. Um, it's a nightmare, isn't it? I mean, we've both had it with our children. They become so clingy. They become so needy. They often go off their food, don't they? Well, and it's awful, isn't it? Because you, you feel sorry for them and you want to do everything you can to help. But, um, but when they're little, they can't verbalise how they're feeling and you're just, you're just trying to do everything you can to keep them sort of comfortable and happy. But yes, it's normal for them to go off their food and that's okay. You know, if children on solid foods, if they don't eat food for a few days, that's fine as long as they're drinking and keeping, you're keeping them hydrated. That's the most important thing. Um, and little babies will, you know, will probably drink less milk than they are than they're drinking when they're well. But you just have to feed them more, a bit more often, little and often, and they'll usually be okay with that. Yeah. Sort of, if you are following a bit of a routine and it's been going really well, be prepared for that to go out the window. Absolutely. You're just flexible, aren't you? Yeah. For a few days while the baby's ill, and you can get back into that routine if that's what you want. Um, you know, when the baby's well again. Because sleeping also often goes out the window. So some babies, when they're sick, they just sleep the whole time. But a lot of babies find it very difficult to sleep, especially if they're congested because they just find it difficult to breathe and then they'll wake up because they're in pain. And so very often parents have had a night of literally no sleep um, and then a cranky baby on top of that. Yeah, I think that's quite common. Um I mean, I think when your baby's sick, you want to allow them to sleep as much as they they can. So again, if you're doing a routine, sort of put that on hold and let them sleep as much as they want. That's really important. Okay. So managing a baby who's who's sick. Um, so we talked about eating um, and drinking. It's common for them to go off their food. Um, and you said the importance about keeping them hydrated. So the, 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 the fluid intake is more important than their food intake. Yeah, is that definitely. Right? The fluid intake is the most important thing. And children, especially young babies, can get dehydrated quite quickly. So um, just be aware of that. If there are nappies, it's really useful to look at the nappies and see if they're still having regular wet nappies. Um, that will give you an idea of, of how hydrated 
dehydrated they are because as they become dehydrated their nappies will become more and more dry and that's that's when you start to get worried and if you've got a baby who's on sort of milk should you be feeding them extra water or should you just continue with the milk no continue with the milk as you've been doing it's a bit different if they've got a, a, a vomiting bug and they're, they're not keeping anything down then you want to, then you might be you know if you speak to your doctor they may say you know dilute their milk or mix it with a bit of the diorolite you know rehydration solution um and give it to them little and often it's quite useful to have those um you know those syringes you get with with the with the baby medicines the little you know um yeah little syringes so five uh, mil syringes, yeah, yeah those little five mil syringes if you if you use those to give your baby milk sort of every five ten minutes or so uh, if they're sort of vomiting every feed that's quite a good way to keep the milk into them mm. but if, if you're at that stage you definitely should have seen your doctor and been sort of getting advice from them yeah i mean vomiting and diarrhea is sort of awful because babies um do dehydrate a lot more quickly than we do so actually you want to be seeking medical advice am i right in thinking that it's worth speaking to the doctor before you go in because they're so contagious these bugs that often if it can be managed remotely that's potentially better for the for the population rather yeah. than and very often these in. things can be managed remotely by just a telephone consultation with your doctor so yes uh, i would always say that if you can speak to your doctor before you go in with something like diarrhea and vomiting or even with some rashes you know that are, if you think it's probably chicken pox or something then then just speak to your doctor first they probably don't want you coming into the surgery and just spreading that around yeah <laughs> so typical for babies to have um, be a bit sick and then they sort of come back gradually onto their food are there any specific foods you should in, sort of give them focus on or encourage them to eat or not to eat after they've kind of had vomiting yeah I mean I think your child will normally tell you um, what they feel like eating or don't and I think in those in those days following or during a, an illness let them eat what they feel like eating so even if it is breadsticks and or dry bread that's no, no problem at all and avoid giving them anything rich and Thing to acidic sort of acidic fruits not great you know pies with you know rich sauces avoid that sort of thing just plain rice plain pasta with uh, you know a plain chicken or some um, some simple vegetable if they feel like that okay perfect now one thing that um, I think a lot there's a lot of misconception about is fresh air good um, when they're when they're a bit sick is it a good idea to take them out for a, for a bit of a sort of walk obviously they're not going to be clambering around the playground but no. is a bit of fresh air good yeah I mean there's a there's a sort of common misconception that getting cold gives you a cold and that's absolutely not true at all um, you know you catch a cold uh, it's a virus. You catch it from someone else who's got that virus. Um, so, so going out in the fresh air is not going to uh, give your child a cold. And if they're ill, you know, if they've got a high fever, obviously you want to keep them indoors. But if your baby has a bit of a cold or um, just not feeling very well, but they're not they're not high, they haven't got a high fever, then it's absolutely fine to take them out. It's actually quite good for them to get a bit of fresh air. Yeah. Just make sure they're nice and warmly wrapped up. They're not getting cold. Yeah. Um, and 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 that should be absolutely fine. So temperature, um, obviously their temperature is a really good sort of indicator of whether or not their body is fighting infection. Um, and I think one of, we're going to talk about what to have in your medical kit in a bit, but probably the most important part of that is having a thermometer that you know how to use and that it's quick and easy and accurate to use. Should you be actively regularly taking their temperature? Is this something that you can actually instinctively feel if their temperature is raised? Yeah, I mean, I think... It's usually pretty obvious to mothers if their child does have a, a fever because you feel your child is actually just really hot. Uh, it's really useful for doctors to know what sort of level that temperature is uh, in terms of, sort of judging how to advise you to keep it down and also the likelihood of it being a certain type of infection. So I think it's a very useful 
piece of kit to have and useful information to be able to give your doctor when you do speak to them about the child's illness. So yeah, invest in a good thermometer, definitely. And um, obviously a, a child's normal temperature is 36.8 degrees. So, you know, most children with a bit of a cold will have a temperature in the 37s, maybe going up to 38s, but it's different in each child. So... Yeah. In terms of lowering the temperature, paracetamol and ibuprofen should be able to bring that temperature down. Again, that's something you should be sort of monitoring. Yeah, exactly. So those are things you should have in your medical kit, as, as we uh, we will discuss in a bit. Obviously important to have your doctor's number handy, make sure that's um, up in an accessible place. And it's probably also worth making sure you know that where your paediatric A&E is. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Because, you know, if you're, you might suddenly have a bit of a panic in the middle of the night and think, I just need my my baby or child to, to go to hospital. So go to a hospital if you can that has a, a specialist pediatric A&E department. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. I think what's really worth um, understanding a little bit is when you're ill, because it's one thing your baby being ill, but it's just such a nightmare when the mother is ill, because not only do you feel wretched, you have to look after your children, but you're also terrified of passing on. I remember having strep throat and it was so painful. And I thought, there's no way my children are going to cope if they get this. Yeah. Well, you children know. tend to cope better than adults, actually. <laughs> That's when what I that. realized. My son had strep throat and then he was fine. And I was the one that had a week in bed. Um, but just a few sort of pointers in terms with how to deal with um, being a, a parent when you're ill yourself. Yeah, so I think, you, you know, the first few days of an illness are usually the most contagious. So if you can, and listen, it's not always possible for parents to stay away from their children, but if you can, you know, avoid the kisses and the cuddles um, in those early few days, that will help prevent you giving it to your children, definitely. To be honest, they're more likely to be giving things to you and than you to them, but but um, but you want to try and avoid it if, if you can. Yeah, so just explaining to them that mummy's going to be less cuddly or daddy's going to be slightly less huggy and, and kissing is the worst isn't it so if you kind of do give them a, a cuddle but try not to breathe on them um, I think help is the really crucial thing because the likelihood is if you're feeling awful you just want to be able to recover and also it it slightly further minimizes the risk of, of contaminating them so yeah, so if you can get a friend or your mother or someone to come and, and help you while you're ill that will make all the difference yeah. as it always not not always possible but or even just an ad hoc babysitter you'll still yes. be in the house but just yeah. to have someone that can allow you to, to rest a little bit yeah that makes all the difference and and actually otherwise be pragmatic you know it's obviously too much screen time we all know isn't brilliant but you know what if you're feeling awful sticking them in front of the tv for protracted periods of time if they're happy uh, while you're getting the chance to recover in, in this sort of short term is is absolutely fine yes it's key. about it's about getting through the day really isn't it or getting through the days till you feel better don't make a habit but <laughs> but, but that's absolutely fine and then in terms of sort of you washing your hands i think um that's that's obviously very very important because yeah. that's how most viruses are spread, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And, and especially if you've got a, something that's spread by droplets, so what you're breathing or coughing 
out or a sort of diarrhea and vomiting illness, it's so important that you wash your hands. And actually, most of us don't wash our hands properly. Mm. Um, so, you know, you, you usually you have to wash your hands longer than you think you have to. And you really have to scrub both sides of your hands in between your fingers, your nails, your wrists um, for it to be for them to be properly clean. Mm. Um, and again, with your children, when they're washing their hands, try and get them to do it long enough. Don't not just the quick r- rinse under the water, under the tap. I think one of the things I say to the parents of my patients is get them to sing the happy birthday song twice while they're washing their hands and then uh, that will be long enough usually with some soap yeah Yeah. Um, the soap is important and also obviously drying it ideally with a disposable kind of cloth so like a piece of kitchen roll rather than the tea towel when you're ill yes I mean this is obviously when you're ill not not on a day-to-day basis but yes that, that that is helpful yeah um and then obviously in terms of sort of surfaces just get some sort of antibacterial spray and just be a bit extra vigilant in yeah terms i mean of i'm not i don't advocate sort of on a on a general day-to-day basis using antibacterials i think it's actually quite important for well we know it's good it's important for children to be exposed to normal everyday bacteria but if you're ill and you know there's an illness in the house then yes you know do do try and prevent that spreading um also, I've been told, you know, consider sleeping in a separate bed to your partner. Um, just because if both of you aren't ill, then, you know, if, if one of you is not ill, that kind of helps a little bit more. Yeah. Also, you're likely to be a bit more restless at night and probably get slightly better night's sleep um, if that's possible, yeah. if, you're, if you're not sleeping in the same bed. I think, if, you know, if that's possible, then, then that's not a bad idea. Having one parent who's ill is bad enough. Having two can be a bit of a nightmare, so... Um, and then obviously making sure that if you're coughing and sneezing or blowing your nose, do it into a tissue and throw it away immediately. Try not to have sort of mountains of tissues by your bed or anything like that, because that obviously increases the the risk of infection. Yeah, definitely. I remember when my children were little, it, you know, the feeding them was such a nightmare because you're constantly blowing on their food and you're sticking their finger, your finger in their food to see if it's the right temperature, especially when you're sort of just, you've just passed that sort of introducing solids part of it. Yes. And obviously that is a bit of a nightmare when you're sick too. So again, if there's one thing that you can hand over to something out someone else it's probably the feeding isn't yeah, it yeah absolutely yeah you don't want to be you don't want to be you know sharing a spoon or t- tasting their food with their spoon and then letting them eat so uh, you know, it's all stuff that's relatively obvious you just got to think about it yeah absolutely um, and and you know then go back to normal when you're well again and you know do you go and see a doctor? Do you not? I think that's something you have to judge depending on how ill you feel. Most common childhood illnesses that are passed on are viruses and you know, don't need any special treatment. But I think Viruses can't be treated with antibiotics, is that no, right? Antibiotics don't treat viruses, exactly. So antibiotics treat bacterial infections. Um, but, uh, but as I say, most of these infections, colds and um, viral illnesses are caused by viruses, uh, which just you just need to... Um, you know, make yourself as comfortable as you can, or if your child has it, make them as comfortable as, as you can while you've got it, and and they will pass in due course. Yeah, and I suppose the, the the final thing is that if you've had something nasty and then you notice your child coming down with the same symptoms, if you've had treatment for that um, for that illness, it's probably worth taking your child to the doctor sooner rather than later, explaining to the doctor, you know, what you've had and how you've been treated, so that potentially if uh, the doctor thinks it's appropriate, then um, uh, they can they can yeah treat your, treat your child the same if necessary. Exactly, it's, it's worth getting the opinion of the doctor in that sort of circumstance. I yeah. say. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think it's really important to have a kind of good medical kit at home in anticipation because every child will become ill, and it's yeah. one of those things that you suddenly need something. It's two o'clock in the morning, and um, Amazon, even Amazon, won't deliver it quick <laughs> enough. So um, probably worth making sure that you've got a medical kit and um, it's it's kind of up to date and um, 
Yeah, I mean, listen, what you don't want is to have your child, you know, ill in the middle of the night and you have nothing to bring their temperature down. You don't even have anything to take their temperature with and uh, and you're feeling a bit lost. I think, you know, being prepared just makes makes being a mother or father just that little bit easier. So um, I always say to my patients when they when they have their baby, just get the medical kit together, have it at home and then you can, you know, sort of forget about it until you need it. Yeah. Yeah. So thermometer, really, really crucial. I've, I've got an ear thermometer, which I must say, it's so easy to take the temperature are they are they what most doctors are using yeah, most doctors i mean everyone has their preference but yes most doctors will use an ear thermometer um thank god the ones easy. that you stick under the arm or under the tongue are sort of yeah. are they i mean they're still used we still use but, those in hospital the disposable ones but, um but um but but the ear ones generally speaking are, are good as long as you get a good quality one and you want to make sure you're aiming it down the canal of the ear rather than against the skin of the ear um but but they're, they're i mean certainly in my experience they work very well and you can take the child temperature while they're sleeping too that's really useful exactly you don't have to wake them up to take the temperature especially for babies that's really helpful um so yeah i definitely have a thermometer it's worth having well i mean it's worth having been to a first aid course and sort of know what to do if a pediatric first aid pediatric course. first yeah. aid course and they usually give you a manual um when you go to one of those courses which has lots of information about um sort of common illnesses or resuscitation or anything so have that in your first aid kit or near your first aid kit yeah yeah exactly in an accessible place and then what are medicines would you say are worth having um uh, in your first aid kit i mean i think when you've got a new baby um stock up with things you know the infant paracetamol the infant ibuprofen um that you know you might not use straight away but you'll use as the as the child grows up uh, as you need to um for again the little babies all the sort of uh, you can get a co- over the counter sort of colic relief things which are worth having if your baby is suddenly up and a bit uncomfortable in the night you can try those um colic relief and probably um, some diarolite, some yeah, hydration some sachets stuff. of rehydration solution. Um, you know, powder that you can make up is is really useful. Um, and you wouldn't necessarily use it without having been given instructions for a doctor, but it's probably just good having it absolutely, at home. Absolutely, because you know, if you call your doctor at the end of the afternoon because your child's had diarrhea and they say, "Well, make up some diarolite," then you've got it. You don't have to take your child out to the pharmacy to get it all. Um, obviously, you keep you know, with all the medical kit, you've got to keep an eye on, on the expiration date, uh, expiry date of of the uh, of the different medicines. Arnica. Um, something that I use quite a lot um, because with I must say the, 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 the cream. tablets or the cream yeah, yeah actually both I just find that with bruises it works really well actually I, I also burnt myself the other day and it was I, mean, I don't know if it was the cream but it seemed to go down is, is there much evidence behind Arnica actually in terms of in terms of sort of complementary therapies Arnica probably has some of the best evidence behind it so I mean it's not great but um, but certainly anecdotally uh, it's something my my the parents of my patients you know use a lot and, and find really helpful also you know if you're child falls over and, and bumps his head you know you put some put an ice pack on it but to put some arnica cream on afterwards will probably help uh, reduce the bruising that they have so it is worth having i think also even if it's just a placebo for your child to have something that you're putting on on their 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 um bump it's helpful so i would get some of that it's quite useful and then for colds, congestion, coughs, um, so saline nasal spray, they say really helps with congestion, isn't it? Yeah, with especially noses. again, little babies that can't blow their noses. If you, if you have a little salt water saline spray that you can spray on their nose, that will often dislodge some of the congestion. It's really helpful. Again, you can get these kind of um, aspirators or, uh, that help you suck the mucus out of the, the, 
the baby's nose and you can either get them as sort of bulbs that 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 suck it out or 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 ones that you actually suck out they've got a bit of a membrane between what your your mouth and what you're sucking um but uh, but they can be really helpful when you just see that the baby needs to blow their nose but can't yeah um, but some mothers do actually suck the snot out of baby's <laughs> nose it's they? one of the things you think you, you you swear you would never do even to your own baby and and most mothers probably would <laughs> that's the main reason my daughter does not want to have children because she thinks all mothers have to suck <laughs> snot out of their baby's noses um and then sort of eucalyptus oil that sort of oil that you can you can rub on their chest or yeah no that's not so you can get some sort of chest rubs that uh, that um that you that when they've when they're congested that you can rub on their chest that helps and then the the eucalyptus oils you can either put in the humidifiers or you can put a few drops on their on their um, uh, pillow or, or or sheet if they're if they're smaller or even on a sort of little muslin in their in their cot or bed that can help um i mean humidifier i have found very very useful in terms of you know coughs and colds for babies um, i remember when i was pregnant having the most awful sort of uh, congestion and obviously you can't take any decongestant when you're pregnant and i put this humidifier by my bed and certainly I slept better than I had done in the last few days. Yeah. Again, is there much research into this? I mean, I think the evidence is pretty poor. That, um, there's not much research and what research there is doesn't seem to show a benefit. But certainly, anecdotally, I hear time and time again mothers saying how, how what a difference it makes having a humidifier in the room if their baby's got a cold. And certainly from my experience too, it makes a huge difference. So I always do say to my patients, if you if you can, then get a humidifier and put it in your baby's room. Um, I mean, they're relatively inexpensive. Yeah. They're about sort of £30 or so, yeah. so they're not a massive investment. Yeah. But I think it's it's definitely worth it. <laughs> and also in winter, which is when we get most of these coughs, you know, because the heating is on, the air is drier inside. Um, and so that can just make it a bit more comfortable, especially for coughs, because you can't actually give any medicine to alleviate a cough well, can you really you can there are cough medicines you can buy at the counter but for babies and small children they have no active ingredients in them so uh, that, that that have any discernible benefit so so i think a humidifier would be much more much more useful okay and then for cuts and sort of scrapes and bruises um antiseptic spray or cream that's that's yeah so if, you, if your it? baby has a, has a cut or a scrape you, or your child really by this point you'll be you know wanting to, to give it a bit of a wash and then put some sort of an antiseptic on it just to prevent it getting infected and you want to make sure you've got you know plasters of the different uh, shapes and sizes and an ice pack that you keep cold um clean cotton wool that sort of thing just if you have it ready then it's there's less of a stress if you yeah. need to use it so yeah yeah and most first you can get a little first aid kits that have all that in um it's just worth buying i'd say and then it's probably also worth having something in your first aid kit for sort of insect bites or even allergic reactions yeah i mean it's it's a difficult one i think you know most children are not allergic to insect bites or to, to anything but um you know you you might you might have a child who's visiting or it might be your child who's stung by a bee for the first time who does have an allergic reaction and so i i always think it's worth keeping some of the child antihistamine in in your first aid kit so that you can yeah, give it quickly it can be life-saving can't it? it it can be i mean that's an unusual situation but yes if you have a child who's having a severe allergic reaction um before the ambulance comes if you give them some antihistamine that can make all the difference Perfect. Um, and then cooling spray, there's that just, I find that really ma- helps my children. Yeah, I and think actually when, when I get a sort of nasty horse fly bite, yeah, that actually yeah. works really well. Yeah, I think that really helps. And you can get all sorts of little, um, especially if you're traveling, you can get little um, devices that, that give little electrical stimuli to the, to the skin, which also really help. Mm. Um, so, I mean, again, that is sort of anecdotal, but, but I've had parents who, who, who they find it's really helped. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, I think, again, really, really important for us to reiterate that this is not advice given um, to an individual in a medical capacity. Chiara is a doctor, but um, I think if your child is unwell and you're worried, you need to seek medical advice. So make sure you've got your child's doctor's number to hand. Make sure you know where the nearest pediatric A&E. And also, you know, before you're administering any medicines, make sure you read the leaflet carefully and you're certain that you're giving the correct and safe dose it's also worth making always making a note of which child has been given what medicine and when so especially if you're kind of handing over care if you've had you know someone else looking after your child that you just are all clear what your baby has had and when yeah that's very important Okay, well, I hope you've, uh, we hope you found this um, a helpful podcast. Um, hopefully your children shouldn't get too ill and it won't be too much of a miserable experience. If you like this, please do consider subscribing to uh, the podcast series at The Parenthood. And for further updates, follow us on Instagram. We're at theparent.hood. Thank you for listening. <laughs>